are there certain people you like to hear from? Which would imply there's certain people you would rather not hear from. But we're, we're in church. It calls for honesty tonight. You have a cell phone. You have caller ID. You have, how many of you have caller ID on your home phone? And when you see it's First Baptist, you do what? You, you don't pick up or you don't click. Well, sure, we have people we like to hear from. For me, I, I like to hear from my wife. I like to hear from my kids. Uh, certain family members it's enjoyable to hear from. Uh, certain friends it's good to hear from. You know, especially if you hadn't talked to somebody in a while and you see their name, it's exciting. Well, as exciting as it is... Uh, for us in this room tonight to hear from certain individuals, the thought of hearing from God is a, is a wonderful, wonderful dynamic, isn't it? I mean, it's a phenomenal thing. In fact, that's what, as Christians, that's what we long for is to hear from God, to have a fresh encounter and experience with God. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 3 this evening, and we're going to look at a wonderful story about a guy named... Samuel, who has a great, real-touch experience with God, and he hears God's voice in a distinct and powerful way. And I want us to draw from some of the principles we see here to apply these and to find these for our lives this evening. Here's the first thing, and I was a little wordy on these points tonight, so uh, take your time writing them down if you're writing. But the Lord speaks, and he makes himself known in his house. Now, certainly he can speak, and he does speak and makes himself known in other places too. But there's almost a push in contemporary Christianity to negate or to downplay the house of God. God speaks, folks, and God makes himself known, and he always has in his house. In chapter 3, verses 1 through 4, it says, The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. It's a very sad thing. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There was not many visions. God wasn't speaking, and I think we'll see why in a minute. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, here I am. Now, he didn't know who it was calling him right then, but he responded. He heard the voice of God. Now, what's going on here? Well, they're at Shiloh. Shiloh seemed to be the kind of the central headquarters for the Jewish people at this early stage in their history. This is not the ultimate temple, but this is a temple, a house of God. You remember when Samuel was a little boy, his mother had prayed and prayed and prayed for a child. They have a child, and she says, I'm giving it to God. And she takes it to the church. Don't any of you try this. We've had some people try this with their teenagers. They've showed up and said, I have a 16-year-old I'm dedicating to God. He's all yours. Uh, We won't take him, I promise. We'll pray for him and love him. But this wasn't strange or odd in this day. She gave her little boy to God, and he stayed at the temple. And he lived with Eli, who was the high priest, the priest, the number one guy. And he worked and ministered there. Uh, This was going to be his life calling from this point on. You notice it says that he's laying near the Ark of the Covenant. Now, we're going to talk about the Ark more in the next few weeks, but 
If you remember from the Indiana Jones movies, it was a significant thing, and that comes from the Bible, actually. The Ark of the Covenant represented the presence of who? The presence of God, the literal presence of God to the Jewish people. And Samuel was asleep. He, were, he wasn't asleep yet, but he was uh, reclining, laying in the temple. We'll pretend like this is the temple sanctuary here, and the ark, the ark probably would have been back here, and he was, he was laying down here. And Eli was wherever his, his bunk was. Uh, we'll say Eli was Dr. Andy, and he was, well, no, we won't say that because Eli had a lot of issues. So. Uh, but he was, uh, he was the senior adult priest of that day, the, the, and he was the head guy. And he's laying in his place, and God speaks. You know, there's something else interesting in here. It talks about the lamp of God. You familiar with what this lamp of God was? It wasn't one of these new green, efficient, energy-efficient things. It was a golden lampstand. It had seven branches going out off of it. It was solid gold from head to toe. Uh, it would have been a great catch for Indiana Jones if he would have discovered some of that stuff. It was a, a, a neat thing. So he's in this, this holy place laying near the presence of God, and the voice of God speaks to him. And I want to tell you something. I think it's easy to miss and to forget. Folks, God shows up in his house. God shows up in in his building. I, I know the rebellious thought of we don't like organized religion Folks, God loves organized religion. How do I know this? He's the author of it. Read your Bible. Start in Genesis. And and really when you get into Exodus, Numbers, Leviticus. You know what you find out the Old Testament was full of? Organized religion ordained and set in place by, by God. Not by a bunch of deacons or preachers at a conference. The New Testament, Jesus Christ, it amazes me how much of his ministry happened on the Sabbath at the temple or in the synagogues. Jesus Christ established the New Testament version of the Old Testament temple and synagogue by the church. Church means two things in the Bible. It means the universal Christians of all times, but the predominant, I mean 90 to 95% of the time in the New Testament, when the word church is used, it's talking about the local body, which by the way is an organized group that has structure, that has systems, that has organizational structures that's supposed to meet regularly. And you know what? That is God-ordained. The church is called the bride and the body of the Baptist, right? It's non-denominational, isn't it? No, it's the bride and body of Jesus Christ. Folks, what we're doing here, and when we come together, this is supposed to be sacred. We're meeting in the house of God, hopefully to have an encounter and an experience of God. And I think this is so wonderful. It's so neat. It's so easy. It's so easy to miss this. But God shows up in his house. God loves his church. Are you not looking tonight? Are we looking week for week? For God to show up here when we meet, you go to another church. Are you going there looking for God to show up? Are you looking for God to speak to you at your church? 
I want to give you a few stories, a couple from my personal experience. One happened uh, in, in 1982, before you guys' parents were even married. Uh, I, was, uh, I was 19. I went to church on Sunday night with my sister. I was not a Christian. I'd been baptized. I was religious. I knew all the right things. I was not going at all to have a God encounter. I was going because my father said, I don't care if you're 84 and I'm alive and you're living in my house, you're going to church Sunday morning and Sunday night. Great principle, by the way, parents. And so I'm sitting in church. I had had way too much to drink, not of Coke, the night before. I didn't feel good and I didn't want to be there. But you know what? God spoke that night to my heart through that preacher. He preached on finding God's will for your life, a simple message. But I left that night realizing I had never hit base one for God's will. I'd never given my life to Christ. The next day, I became a Christian. Sure, there had been people praying for me. There were a lot of factors. But I want to tell you, God showed up that night in that church, and God spoke to my heart. And I'm going to heaven someday for what happened in a church house in Tennessee years ago. My pretty wife, before she was my wife, before she was my girlfriend, when she was just a pretty woman coming to my church and going to hell, a lost woman. Men, you rarely get to stand in the pulpit and say your wife was going to hell. No telling where I'll be going later tonight. (laughs) Cindy came to church on a Sunday night. I remember this. It was a May night in College Station, Texas. And I preached out of 1 Peter about the judgment of God. Later that evening, she got saved. I believe that was God using that church. And using what happened that evening to work in her heart to bring her to Jesus Christ. I've seen it happen over and over. I've seen it happen in this church, not in the distant past where a person came on Sunday morning that hadn't been coming in a long time and came down and got saved on Sunday morning. Hadn't been here in a while, came down, God spoke to them and they got saved. Folks, I want to tell you, be in church as much as you can. Don't be weird. I mean, if you show up here tomorrow morning at 4 o'clock in the morning... You can pray in the parking lot because nobody's going to let you in until about 6.30. I'm not saying be a fanatic, but I'm saying be in the house of God. And let's make the house of God here or wherever that is for you. Make it conducive because I tell you, God wants to speak and show up in his house. Okay? Here's the second thing we see from this story. God makes himself known and God speaks to those who are quiet enough to hear. God speaks and makes himself known to those who are quiet enough to hear. In verse 3 and 4, the lamp of God had not yet gone out, this beautiful seven-branched golden lampstand. And Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. Can you imagine what a holy setting that was? Then the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. You know, when God showed up in this story, it was a quiet, probably, now this is important, probably a night like he had experienced, a typical night in God's house a thousand times before. But on this particular night, God showed up and God spoke to him. Folks, here's a pattern through Scripture. God tends to speak when his people are quiet enough to hear him. In 1 Kings 19, Elijah had been having all kinds of problems, 
and he's, he's depressed. He's actually, he's suicidal. Look what it says here. Uh, him, and, him and God, he was mad at God. He told God, his prayer was, God, kill me, amen. That's an odd prayer, isn't it? That's not a healthy prayer. But then him and God begin to talk, and God says, I want to I talk to you, Elijah. It says, the Lord said, you go out and you stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And the voice said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? Guys, too many of us are looking for earthquakes. We're looking for the fire. We're looking for the rush and the roar. And that's great. But a pattern in Scripture is that God wants you and me to steal ourselves enough to hear his gentle voice. Psalms 46.10 reiterates this. Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. You know, we talk about spending time with God daily. Having a, we call it a what? A quiet time for a reason. Now, you, you may sing in your quiet time. You may read your Bible out loud. You may pray aloud. But hopefully, it is a time when you are quiet enough also to hear the voice of God. Here's how a lot of us are having our quiet times. We're reading our Bible. We're watching the news. We're changing channels. We're reading the Bible. We're playing on our phone. We're reading the Bible. We're praying, then we're checking stuff on the computer. And how in the world do we expect God to break through and speak in that environment? Samuel, in the house of God, was quiet enough and still enough to hear the voice of God when he whispered his name, when he called his name. Most of the, the men in here that are my age and older, 25 and older, in other words, have what, what I call in non-technical terms, old man hearing. How many of you have a father or a husband who has old man hearing? Old man hearing, don't hit your wife, Chad, for her honesty. Old man hearing is, uh, it's two things. One, it's, a, it's an excuse that I didn't hear you, honey that we use at times. But old man hearing is also, we've done, you know, we've worked with lawnmowers and chainsaws and manly stuff. And so our ears aren't as good as they used to be. And if there's any background noise, we old men don't hear well, correct? Uh, Amen. Norman said, what'd you say? Oh yeah, amen. (laughs) And, 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 And so if I'm talking to you over here and Wayne's over there on the organ, it's hard for me to hear. It's, it's harder for me to hear. I need it to be quiet. See, a lot of us have old man hearing with God. we got too much background noise going on. We're saying, well, maybe God will show up in the earthquake. Maybe he'll show up in the fire. And God's normally saying, still yourself and let me speak to you through a gentle whisper. That's not the only way God speaks. But that's a very common way. I want to ask you, are we quiet enough... 
in our hearts and our lives to hear God. One of the most famous speeches in America was the Gettysburg Address. Say the first part of that with me. For? Thank you. Most everybody knows that, don't they? Abraham Lincoln did that. People who were there and witnessed it, it you, you probably know this, he was the second speaker that day. The first speaker spoke over two hours. You think you guys have it tough. And so Lincoln got up, and the Gettysburg Address was very, very brief. People who were there said that most of the ones actually in attendance didn't hear it. They were ruffling their papers. I'm sure they were, men were playing with their smartphones or, well, that was 1860-something. They were playing with their bill foes, and women were looking through their person. By the time they settled down, the speech was over. They missed one of the greatest speeches in American history. I wonder how many times you and I come to church, or we read our Bibles, or we pray and we stop to listen, and we're too preoccupied with a million other things. Maybe it's externally or maybe it's just internally that we're missing the voice of God. Samuel in the house of God was quiet enough to hear God. Here's the third thing. God makes himself known and speaks to those who are open and sensitive to him. God speaks. God makes himself known to those who are sensitive to him. In verse 4, the Lord called Samuel, and Samuel answered, Here I am. A lot of dynamics here, but one thing about Samuel's heart was that he had a heart that was open and sensitive to what God was fixing to say to him. Now, I want you to be honest with me. How many of you want to continue conversations with people, A, who will not be quiet, or B, who you know they are not open and they are not going to be sensitive And I don't mean touchy-feely. I mean just they're not going to be in tune with what you're trying to communicate. After time three, do you you desist communication with those people? If you're smart. And by the way, God is very smart. And when God sees that we are not open and we are not sensitive to what he's trying to say, I'm telling you, folks, he steps back. He crosses his arms and he just waits. Why is God going to waste his voice? Why is he going to waste his presence pouring himself out in our midst if we're not open to it? Very, very rarely is that ever going to happen. I want to ask you this evening, did you come here tonight ready to hear from God? Did you come here tonight ready to hear from God? Now, again, I I said this Wednesday night to the crowd, and I'll say it again tonight. You guys are the Marine Corps. You are, we got a Marine back there. You guys are the Marine Corps, and Marines, uh, you know, the cream of the crop. You're you're the ones who come back to church on Sunday night. So you, I'm not really throwing this at you, but I want to tell you, and you know this, speakers can tell how open people are. A lot of times. Now, you you have to be careful because you don't want to place judgments. But, you know, if somebody is sound asleep, normally snoring means there's not a sensitivity to what you're saying. Correct? I've had people say, I was meditating. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, you were. 
<laughs> on Ambium. Uh, <laughs> but you, know, you, you can tell when people tune out or whether they're tuned in. You, you can tell whether people are really wanting to hear from God. I, I believe this with all my heart. I really do. I, I think when you and I come to church or a connection group class with this attitude, I want to hear from God. I, I really believe we'll hear from God. I, I really do. I really do. I remember when I first went to seminary and I began to take preaching classes and hear all the technical things that preachers were supposed to do. And I went with this girl to a, a Thanksgiving community service. And the guy who preached, uh, of course, he wasn't near as good as me, I thought. And, and I, was, uh, I was listening to him thinking, well, you know, he needs to do this. He needs to do that. And, and after it was over, I remember her saying, man, didn't he do a great job? And I thought, you know, I was such a jerk. I was critiquing him speaking. I wasn't listening to hear from God. So if you're taking notes on my preaching style tonight, I hope you're convicted. But the whole point is, man, we come here to hear from God. When we sing, when we, we preach, when we, we open that Bible to read it, when we pray, we want to hear from God. God speaks to those who are open and sensitive. Here's the fourth thing. God uses other believers to help us discern God's voice. Boy, is this a big one here. This is a really important thing. Verses 5 through 9. And he ran to Eli. And he said, here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and he laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and he said, Here I am. You called me, my son. Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not know yet the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. The Lord God called to Samuel a third time. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli. And he said, Here I am. You called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told him, Samuel, go and lie down, and if he calls you, you say, Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went, and he laid down in his place. Now, Eli's an older man here, and he he had some real issues. He was was not James Dobson, father of the year material, and he was going to pay a dear price for his slackness as a father. But he was a man of God, and, and he loved God. And he was mature and sensitive enough that when a young believer, a young follower came to him, he was able to say, hey, I believe God is speaking to you. Now, now folks, one of the things about a multi-generational church like us, we're not, all, we're not all 70 and older and we're not all 25 and under. We're multi-generational, which is wonderful. And one of the things that makes it wonderful is that young people can find older people who can help them. Young believers can find older believers. That may be a 60-year-old talking to a 40-year-old who's been saved for a long time. Can find people who can help them discern God's voice. You know, they've made many improvements in hearing aids in recent years. 
and they have a lot of new things that they're doing in different types of implants to, to help people who have natural hearing problems through medical devices be able to hear better. One of the spiritual hearing aids that God has given us is other believers. It's people farther on down and more mature in the faith. Let me challenge you. Don't throw it out to 75 people at a prayer meeting. I think God is telling me this. Y'all tell me what to do. It's probably not the best thing. But hopefully you've got three to five people in your life Hopefully there's some minister in your church that you, you have enough confidence into that you can go to and say, here's what I believe God's saying to me. What do you think about this? I, now, Eli's probably, uh, Eli's an older man. Samuel's probably about 12. But one thing you have to love about him is his humbleness and his willingness to listen to his mentor and his older father in the faith to get advice. A lot of times we are too certain that God has said something instead of being like Samuel and being overly cautious about what God's telling us. Have people in your life who can help you discern God's voice. They can't make the decision for you. Absolutely no doubt about that, folks. That that you and I, when it comes to what God's saying, we've got to settle that between us and God or inside your family circle, you have to decide things. Other people can help you hear those voices. Now, here's what I found out. When God's dealing with me about something big, I get hit from a hundred different directions by things. I'll have many crises after many crises. This happened to any of you guys? You're getting ready. To, you're trying to make a big decision, and you're trying to be quiet and give some time to hear from God, and that's when the, the water breaks. Somebody's having major problems. You need to help. You can't sleep for three nights because you've got bad allergies, and you're pulling your hair out going, God, I'm trying to hear you. That's called Satan. Satan knows that God's trying to speak to you. And, and when you have all those voices, you have the voice of God, you have the voice of Satan, you have the voice of self. Why, God would never call me to do anything that's going to be hard and uncomfortable. <laughs> Read the book. <laughs> those competing voices, and that's where mature believers can help us. The wonderful thing that Samuel had was Eli. Okay, here's a last wonderful thought. God speaks and makes himself known to those who are surrendered to him. To those who are surrendered to him. Certainly this goes with the open and sensitive, but I think it takes another step. Look in verse 10. The Lord God came and stood there. Did you get that? God's presence is everywhere, but in this particular instance, God came and he stood there with young Samuel. And he said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak, God. Speak for your servant is listening. Now, now folks, listen. Him, him saying, speak for your servant is listening. Really what he was saying there is much, is much deeper and more profound. He was saying, God, you speak because I'm willing to do and hear anything that you've got to say. God, all you've got to do is say red, and I'll go red. You say green, I'll go green. All you've got to say, speak, God, because I'm listening to what you have to say. You know, it said earlier there was a famine 
of the voice of God in this era. You know why? Because people weren't willing to do what God wanted them to do. God's not going to speak to a church or to a person who doesn't want to do what God wants to do. It's kind of like that open and sensitive thing. At some point when God realizes that you and I are not going to do what he's asking us to do, he steps back. By the way, every time we do that, we harden our own heart. We harden our own ears to hear God. And then there comes a point we've gotten so hard-hearted and so hard-headed and our ears have gotten so clogged, we don't hear God anymore. Now, that is correctable and it is healable, but it's a serious condition. When God spoke to Samuel, Samuel said, Listen, God, I am open. You tell me what you want me to do. Here's something really, 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 really great. Samuel didn't understand what God was fixing to tell him. Samuel didn't want to hear what God was fixing to tell him, by the way. By the way, tomorrow morning, go tell your spiritual mentor that I'm fixing to chop him and his family off at the knees. That's a redneck paraphrase, but that was kind of what was going to happen. But God didn't expect Samuel to be able to understand it and to grasp it all and to intellectually have it figured out. He wanted Samuel to say, God, I will do whatever you're telling me to do. Isn't that great? I try to figure God out. Do any of y'all? I want to know why, God. If I'd have been Noah, I would have drowned. God, it doesn't make, it hadn't rained in a hundred years. Think of the old men in that era, how, how, how frustrated that we would have been, you know, about the lack of rain. You're building a boat. God spoke to Noah. Noah didn't understand. It didn't make sense. He did it. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. God's not looking for you and I to have it figured out. He's looking for you and I to say, God... You've got it figured out, and I'll follow you. God speaks to churches. God speaks through churches. God makes himself known in churches and in other places when people are receptive and willing to do what God's going to ask them to do. I want to ask us tonight... Are we at a point of receptivity? What a neat thing. And the Lord God stood there and spoke to Samuel. Are you and I really open to whatever it is God may say to us? You're not a Christian. I promise you he's saying to you this tonight. Give your life to Christ. You come and do that in a moment. Don't wait for next week or next month. That's a word that needs to be obeyed tonight. Maybe God's leading you to join our church family. Come and do that this evening. God's telling you to do it. Come and do it. Every Christian here tonight, where you're standing in a moment or at the altar, let's say to God, God speak because I'm listening. God speak because I will do it. God speak in this house Show up in this house because we'll do what you want us to do. Let's stand and let's respond tonight like Samuel did.